Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Luke chapter number one begins with the story, not of Mary, but of Zecharias and Elizabeth. And begins with the story about how Zecharias and Elizabeth, uh, Zecharias was a priest. They wanted to have children, didn't have any children. Zecharias was in the, he was in the temple performing the priestly duties. And he saw an angel there. And he was greatly frightened. And of course you would be. Not expecting to see anybody in there. Not expecting to see an angel in there. Angels are, they're the good guys, amen? They're the good guys, but if you saw one, you'd be scared too, amen? Right? It's like if a police officer knocked on your door. Policemen are supposed to be the good guys, amen? But if you open a door and you saw a police officer there, you'd be like, oh, what happened? Is everything okay, right? And I, I kind of imagine that maybe this is uh, what he's feeling, maybe on even a grander scale. And he's wondering what's going on, and, and the angel speaks to him and tells him about how they're going to have a child. They're older in age, and Zechariah, I'm sure, is kind of given up on having children, and he's kind of doubtful, and, and the angel says, because you don't believe, you're going to be speechless until the baby is born. Can you imagine not being able to speak for the next nine months? That's Zechariah, and he had to write things on a, on, a, on a tablet every time he wanted to communicate. And so this happens, and uh, five months go by, six months go by, and here in Luke chapter 1, we see that the angel now visits Elizabeth's cousin Mary. And Mary sees the angel, and the angel tells her that she's going to have a child of the Holy Ghost, that she's going to bear the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And they have a little bit of a conversation. She says, I, I don't understand. How is this possible? And, and uh, they have a little bit of a conversation at the end. We see that the angel tells her, even your cousin has a child. She's six months along. And so Mary now goes over to Elizabeth and goes over to see her. And as soon as she walks into the door and says, hey, Elizabeth, I'm here. The baby, which is John the Baptist, leaps for joy. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, and she begins to praise Mary. She begins to praise her about, hey, this is the mother of my Lord, and, and the baby left in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, blessed is me. And she's saying, blessed are you, Mary. And this morning, I want to take a look at her response. We don't see a lot of passages uh, dealing with Mary. We see her in a few instances. But I think this gives us a great clue as to the kind of individual that she was and the kind of mother that she would be. I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. I see what Mary did, first of all, was that she rejoiced in God's placing. She rejoiced in God's placing. Because in verse number 46, she says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. She's saying, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And we see that she speaks about how she is rejoicing in God, and I see that she has the right spirit. She has the right spirit. There's something about having the right spirit that is so important in the home. 
Amen? There's something about just having the right spirit. And I see that Mary, she had the right spirit. She had a magnifying spirit. She had a magnifying spirit. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She had a spirit that acted like a magnifying glass. What do magnifying glasses do? They make things look bigger. They make it look bigger. And really, in reality, every one of us is a magnifying glass. Every single one of us is a magnifier. It just depends on what we choose to magnify. You know, the way that we live our lives magnifies the things that are involved in our lives. Obviously, if we spend a lot of time with family, that's going to magnify what? My family or the importance of the family. I remember as a, as a, as a single person, uh, you know, I was uh, growing up with my friends, and then, you know, we, we graduated high school together, we graduated college together, and then they began to get married and, and started to have kids. I wasn't married yet, and, and uh, you know, I would talk to them about this or that, let's do this, let's do that, and every single time they would say, well, I got to talk to my wife, I got to talk to my husband, I got, what about the kids and all of this, and, and uh, as a single person, I was just like, let's just go, let's just go, let's have fun, let's go out to dinner or whatever, and, and they were always, their priority number one was the family, and it raised the importance of family. I said, wow, family is really important to them. Their kids are really important to them. Their, their, their marriage is very important to them. You know, if somebody goes and spends a lot of time just eating at all of the new restaurants and all of the places that have just opened up and all of the things that everybody wants to do, you know, you see it on Instagram and you see what they talk about and all of these things. It, it magnifies those things. Whatever it is that we do in life brings attention to it and magnifies it in a way. Does that make sense? Everything that we do really magnifies whatever it is that we're, that, that we're doing. What are our lives magnifying? Do our lives magnify that we love money? Do our lives magnify that we love family? Do our lives uh, magnify that we love the pleasures of this world? Or do our lives magnify the Lord? We see that Mary, she magnified the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. And godly mothers, they magnify God. Godly mothers magnify the Lord in their homes. They magnify the Lord. You know, when children are at home, they can see the Lord. They notice the Lord. They see the things of God. Maybe there are things put on the walls that bring attention to God. Maybe there are habits in the life of a mother in, in terms of reading her Bible and praying that magnify the Lord and the things that she does or maybe the things that she chooses not to do magnify God. And we see that Mary, her soul magnified God because there are so many things in life that we can simply pass over without noticing. I remember, you know, when I was a student, you know, you get these huge, massive textbooks, right? And they tell you, you've got to read, like, the whole thing. And, of course, you know, me as a student, I would skim over a lot of it, right? You know, I'm just kind of trying to get the major points, you know, and if time's really tight, I'm just reading the first line of every paragraph, you know, and, and things like that. And, and sometimes when you're in a rush or you're just, you know, tired, you know, you're supposed to highlight the important parts, but you, you kind of forget, right? Or you're just too tired, you're like, I'll, I'll remember it, and you look over. And then in a future day, you're like, man, there was that thing, I don't remember exactly what it is, and you go look for it. And for whatever reason, every time you go back to look for it, you can never find it, right? 
you always find those things when you're not looking for them, right? You're looking for something else and you find this and you find that, you know, even in your home and you go home and you're looking for things, you know, you go into the closet, you find all of the things you don't need. You can never find that thing that you do need, or at least that's the way that it feels like. But if you take the time in your life or in, in your textbook to highlight all of the important things, they're much easier to see and much easier to find. Not only that, whenever you flip to a page and there's something highlighted, what's the first thing that you notice? You notice the thing that's highlighted, amen? You see the thing that's right there. Not only do you, does it make it easier to see, it's the first thing that you see. You know what godly mothers do? They highlight God's involvement on the pages of the lives of their children and in their family. What they do is they make it easy to see God in everything. In fact, in many ways, they make it so that that's the first thing that you notice. Because in reality, God is involved in every single day of your life. He's involved in every single day. He's involved in everything in your life. But sometimes just like looking at a huge page of just black text that all kind of looks the same, it might be easy to pass over, but a mother makes sure, hey, this is important. God is important. I want to highlight this right here. You know, whenever something happens and, and uh, they're still saved, they say, you know what, uh, maybe this thing isn't the best thing and we wouldn't have prayed for it, but praise the Lord that we're still safe, amen? Praise the Lord that we still have each other. And even in, in a difficult time, they'll make sure to highlight the Lord. You know what, God is still here with us. You know, God is still good to us. You know, God is still provided for us. Hey, let's still be thankful. And, and they highlight God. You know, every single morning, maybe when they're eating breakfast, they, they say, you know what? You know who gave this to you? You know who provided this for you? You know, my child's at the point where she's asking why a lot. And she asks a lot of questions. And, and I see my wife direct attention because, you know, we might ask the question, you know, uh, who, who made this meal? Or who, you know, where did this meal come from? And she'll say, mommy. You know, mommy made the meal. Which is true. But my wife, she'll sometimes say, you know what? God provided that meal. God gave us this food. Now, she's the one that prepared it, but she makes sure that she understands, you know what? Every good and perfect thing cometh from the Lord. Every good gift cometh from above. Everything comes from God. And, and a godly mother will highlight the, the, the involvement of God in the pages of the lives of their children. Hey, notice how God was good to us here. Hey, see how God brought us together. See how God was involved in the life of, of your mom or your dad or in, in the life of our family and the lives of those around us. Really, every Christian should have the goal of magnifying God with their lives. Amen? Every Christian should have the goal of magnifying God with their lives. Making God easier to see. Making it easy to notice the involvement of God, to see the characteristic traits of God. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse number 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You know what Paul said? He said, I want Christ to be magnified in my life. Whether I live or whether I die, I want Christ to be magnified. Every Christian should have the goal and desire of magnifying God with their lives. And I hope that every mother, in particular, in looking at their, the, their involvement in their family, will see the importance of magnifying God with their lives. 
Secondly, in terms of having a good spirit, I also see that she had a merry spirit. And Mary had a merry spirit. Merry meaning like Merry Christmas. Right? Mary had a merry spirit. It just lined up that way, okay? <laughs> right? Mary had a merry Christmas. She had a, uh, she had a merry Christmas. Of course she did. <laughs> she had a merry spirit. She had a joyful spirit. She had a glad spirit, amen? I'm already thinking about Christmas, all right? <laughs> you can always rejoice in the Lord. You see that in verse number 47. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. And it's an important thing to remember that you can always rejoice in the Lord. You know, I don't know what's going on in the life of your family, but sometimes you have mountain peaks and sometimes you have valleys. Sometimes you have the, the good times. Sometimes you have some difficult times. You know, when it comes to your finances, you're not always able to rejoice in your finances, amen? There might be some times in your life where you enjoy looking at your bank account. But there are other days where you would rather not look at your bank account and just hope that there's enough there. Right? You may not always be able to rejoice in the job or career that you have. You know, praise the Lord, if you have a great job and you have a great boss and you have great coworkers and you have great, you know, a work environment, all of those things. And if you do, you can rejoice in that. But if you don't, it, sometimes that's just life. Sometimes it's difficult. If, you're, if your goal is to be able to rejoice, you've got to put your joy in the right place. Hey, maybe finances are good. Maybe they're not so good. Maybe your job is great. Maybe some things uh, don't happen so well. Maybe even in your home. You would love to be able to go home and rejoice in your home, but maybe you go home and there's somebody that's not saved. Maybe the, you, you go home and there's, there's sin in the lives of uh, your family members. Maybe there's some backslidden Christians. Maybe you're not able to rejoice in, in your home situation. And every time you think of home, instead of maybe being rejoiceful for what God is doing, you have a burden to pray for them that God will restore them. And, and uh, maybe that's your situation. But no matter the situation in life, if you choose to rejoice in in the Lord, you can always rejoice. Amen? Because God is always good. And God is always great. And God is always there. And God is always the same. And we see that Mary, she said that she rejoiced in God, her Savior. Mary had a merry, rejoicing spirit. There's a lot to be said about the spirit of a godly mother, one who is merry, one who is joyful, one who is glad, because the spirit of a mother so often sets the tone in the home. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 7, using this word rejoice, it says, let us be glad and rejoice. That's the same word that Mary used, to rejoice. And give honor to him, for the marriage of the lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Think about the last wedding that you went to. Think about the, the vibe and the tone and the, and the feeling of, of being at this wedding. And a big part of, of going to the wedding is not just having the right things, but having the right mood and having the right tone there, right? It's a joyful time. It's a happy, glad time. A union of a husband and a wife, it's a great time. And one of the important things about having the right tone is having the right music, right? When you go to a wedding, you got to have the right music. It has to have the right feel for a wedding, 
for the couple, all of these things. Music is so very important. I remember watching this uh, one a video, this is a long time ago, I didn't even remember exactly all the details of it, but I just remember that the context of this video was describing the importance of various aspects of, of, a, of a TV show or a movie or things like that, and describing in particular the importance of music. And they played the, the, the introduction scene of, uh, of uh, this movie or something. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, they played this, and, and you had the music going, and it was, you know, the horns are blaring. It's, it's bright, it's powerful, and, and you get this uh, very distinct feel to the scene. And then he says, I want you to notice the feeling of the scene when you remove the music. You know, and this guy is walking in, you know, you know, kind of like big and bad, and you know, he's walking in, but there's no music, it's silence, it, it, it just kind of falls flat. You know, if you have the wrong music going in, you know, instead of a scary scene, if you have some light, peppy music, it's, it's just not going to feel right, is it? You're going to get a totally different feel to the scene based on the music that maybe is there or isn't there. When it comes to spirit, I, I think that the spirit has to do a lot with kind of the music of a scene. You can say all the right words, but if you don't have the right spirit, it's like having the wrong music. Everything looks right, the color's right, the props are right, but if the music's wrong, it just doesn't feel right. In fact, it may send everything in the wrong direction. You know, you might have a bright, happy scene, you know, kids are playing in the yard, and you know, the parents are, you know, kind of inside in the living room, kind of watching out the window, and it's, it's a bright, sunny day, but if you have the, the music to like, uh, you know, some scary horror movie there, totally different feel, right? You're like, it, it looks like a happy scene, but the music is bad, it feels like something bad is going to happen. You know, having a merry spirit is like having the right music in the home. How's your spirit today? Do you have a joyful spirit? Do you have a glad spirit? And that's important. You know, praise the Lord for godly mothers who have a merry spirit, a, a good spirit, a glad spirit, a positive spirit. We also see that she had a modest spirit. In verse number 48, it says, For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Mary was downplaying herself when Elizabeth, her cousin, was praising her, right? Elizabeth was saying, you know, blessed is she, blessed are you that believe it, blessed is the mother of my Lord. She's, she's heaping praises on her, but Mary's response to that was, hey, my soul rejoice in God, my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. You see what Mary said about herself? She said, I'm a, I'm a person of low estate. I'm not an important person. I'm not a great person. I'm not a, a, I'm not a person of nobility. I'm not a wealthy person. I don't have all of the, the accolades. I'm, I'm just a person who's a handmaiden. I'm just a servant. And really, in reality, if God had not done this to her, we, we wouldn't even know about her, would we? We wouldn't know who she was, never would have heard her story, we didn't know anything about her, 
But because God did something great for her, she was lifted up. But we see the spirit of Mary was, she was a modest individual. She was humble. She, she downplayed the things that she did. And, and the things that I, that I noticed about so many godly mothers is they always downplay their involvement. You know, we know the importance of mothers, amen? They're so important in the involvement of their kids, in the involvement of their families, and, and it really in society as a whole, having godly mothers is so vital, it's so important. And the mood that they set and the instruction that they give and, and all of the involvement and influence they have in their lives. But when you talk to them, they, they always downplay it. And you know what they always say? They say, praise the Lord. They praise the Lord. You know, I'm glad for this involvement in my life. I'm glad that God blessed me with kids. But you know, really, it's all the Lord. It's what the Lord had done. You know, mothers, they really do so much. You ever read the, the, the articles about, you know, if a, if a mother were paid for all of the things that she does for her kids, how much she would make? You know, and the, the numbers vary, but I, I remember reading that there's this uh, kind of series of articles where every year this, this group, uh, you know, they kind of update the numbers. And, and you get a, a varying number of uh, numbers, but, you know, what do, what do mothers do? You know, they, they have uh, child-caring responsibilities, and so you think about how much a person involved in child care would get paid. And teaching, they teach their children. How much do teachers get paid? And, and they're, they're chefs. You know, how much do chefs get paid? And, and uh, they are housekeepers, they are interior designers, you know, all sorts of different things. I was looking at this breakdown. The funniest one that I saw was uh, one of the job descriptions of a mother is to be a private detective and investigator, amen? That's a very important job for a mother. You've got to be good at that one. There's a lot of investigating that goes on with a mother and a child, amen? What is this? Where did that come from? What are you doing? Where are you? <laughs> right? A lot of investigating going on. And I was looking at this big list of things, and that's not even talking about unpaid overtime, amen? So many hours of overtime. Not paid. You don't get paid for that. And, and the numbers vary between, you know, maybe $70,000 and $100,000 a year. It's not a bad job, amen? And we live in a society that really wants to brag about what they do, how much they do, what they're involved in. You know, you look at Instagram, you know, everybody's talking about, look at what I'm doing, look at where I get to go, look at what I get to do, look at what I'm selling, or look at, look at all the fun that I'm having. It, it, the, the society is all about bragging about who you are and how great you are and lifting yourself up. Hey, if you don't sell yourself, nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to do that, so you've got to do it. And you, All of these different kinds of things, but godly men and women, godly mothers, are humble people. Amen? They are humble people. Godly mothers are humble people. I think that's what's so amazing about godly mothers is that they do so much, and yet when it comes to receiving the credit, it always seems like they downplay all that they do. But it's a godly spirit. John the Baptist was the greatest born of women. You know what John the Baptist said? He must increase. God must increase. I must decrease. That was John the Baptist's spirit. 
But you know, this morning, as we take a look at godly mothers and all that they do, it reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, I think today is one of those days where it's due time. Amen? It's due time for godly mothers to be exalted, to be lifted up for all that they do. That's what we're doing here on Mother's Day. I see, secondly, what Mary did was that she recognized God's power. She recognized God's power. Luke chapter 1, verse number 49 says, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Elizabeth is heaping praise on her cousin Mary. Blessed is the mother of my Lord. Blessed is she that believed, and blessed are you. That's what she's saying. But Mary is saying, you know what? I rejoice in the Lord. God is the one that that receives all of the praise and glory. I'm just a a person of low estate. I'm just a handmaid. I'm just a servant. Servants don't get the praise. Servants don't get uplifted. And she said, I don't deserve the praise because in verse number 49, she says, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. You know what Mary was saying? She was saying, I didn't do it. It was Lord. In a very literal sense, wasn't it? In this case, it was all the Lord. God was the one that had done this for her. And she recognized that it was God who was doing something great in her. If you back up to verse number 37, you see this end of the conversation that Mary has with the angel. And the angel says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. Hey, this is not the point of the message, but no matter what's going on in your life, just know that with God, nothing is impossible. If you're praying for that lost loved one, that you're, you know what? They just keep rejecting. They just keep saying no. They're so stubborn. They don't listen. Hey, with God, nothing is impossible. Amen. Hey, you might be looking at the situation in your home, and, and uh, you've been trying, and you've been doing your best, and you're trying to follow God's word, and you're trying to have a good spirit, and, and there's so many spiritual battles at home, and you're wondering whether or not you'll see the mountaintop of victory in your home. Know that with God, nothing is impossible. Hey, when it comes to your ministry and, and you're serving in the church and you want it to grow, you want to see the people to grow and you're seeing all of these things that, that you want to see and you see the hope and you see the potential, but you're just seeing that maybe you don't see uh, God really working and you don't see any fruit at least, just know that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Hey, no matter your situation, know that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And in verse number 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She said, Here I am, Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She just availed herself to God and said, God, whatever you want me to do. And you know, when we avail ourselves to God and just say, God, whatever you want me to do, then with God, nothing shall be impossible. You know, she recognized the power of God, what God could do. I see that godly mothers, doesn't it seem like they have an ability that nobody else has? Godly mothers can hear things that nobody else can hear. 
Godly mothers can do things that nobody else can do. I think God gives a special ability to godly mothers. Thirdly, though, I see that she remembers God's purpose. She remembered God's purpose. Verse number 50, Luke chapter 1, verse number 50 says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. I think this is so important in the life of Mary as a mother, really also seeing the big context and picture of things, which is that she remembered that God had a purpose with what he was doing. God had a purpose with what he was doing. Because God designed the world with a purpose, amen? He didn't just create the world at random. He wasn't just bored and he said, well, I got to, you know, I'm just, I just want to flex my creative muscles. I'm just going to create the universe. No, he had a purpose in creating the world. He had a purpose in creating the plants and the animals on earth. He had a purpose with creating you and me. He had a purpose in his creation and in his design. And Mary knew that what God had done for her was for a purpose. The bigger picture of this, looking beyond motherhood, is this, that God had a purpose, a design to save the world. God wants to save every single person in the world. God wants to save you if you're not saved today. If you don't know that heaven is your home, if you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior, if you don't know, 100% sure, know that God had a plan, that God had a design, that God's purpose for you is that you would be saved. If you're not saved today, you can be saved. Amen? You can be saved. God wants you to be saved. That's God's design. His design is for you to be saved. I also see that with what, what God was doing for Mary, she recognized that there was a purpose. There was a purpose in this very particular motherhood that God had a purpose. I see that he wanted to display his mercy. Verse number 50 says, And his mercy is on them that fear him, from generation to generation. You see, God is a merciful God. Amen? God is a merciful God. God wants to show mercy. Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're multiple times sinners. Many times sinners. But God wants to show mercy to you. You know, I think the very first place that we see a demonstration of mercy is where? Godly mother. Aren't mothers like the most merciful people on the earth? Aren't they just always willing to look at their children? Godly mothers look at their children and they're, they're patient with them and they're long-suffering with them and they're, they're merciful with them. Even when the children know that they're the ones that did wrong, they know that they should get punished for the things that they did or the things that they said. They know these things. Children are smart, amen? They know what they did. They know what they should get. And yet when they see a mother who is patient and loving and forgiving, I think we see a picture of the forgiveness of God. We see that God wants to display mercy. We also see that he wants to display his might. Verse number 51. Here is, here is Mary. She's speaking about the things that God had done. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent to empty away and he has hoped or helped his servant Israel in remembrance 
of his mercy, we see that God had done some mighty, amazing things for his people. I mean, think about in the book of Exodus, you think about what Pharaoh went through. He was the king, he was the ruler, he was the one in power, and God, with plague after plague after plague, took down Pharaoh and eventually his army and his nation. You think about Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, he was lifted up, and God says, for seven years, I'm going to remove your reasoning and your understanding. You'll be like an animal. You're going to live and think like an animal until I restore your reasoning to you. We see that those that are high and lifted up, that God can bring them down. We also see that God can exalt them of low degree. When you consider so many of the great individuals of the Bible, they didn't have great backgrounds. You think about David. You know what David was? He was a shepherd. He just went out into the fields and he watched the sheep. That was his job. That's not a noble job. That's not a job where, you know, you could put that on your resume and get into Harvard University. That's not something that you put on your resume. That's not what you put in your application. But David was lifted up because God can lift up those who have a heart after him. God wants to show his might. When God wanted to show his greatest might, he began by using a mother to bring the Savior of the world into this earth. Thirdly, I see that God, he wants to display his, mercy, uh, his memory. Verse 54 says, He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. You have to remember that at this point, there was no open revelation for 400 years. Right? For 400 years, there was no new word from God. And in fact, going back to Abraham, it was many, 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 many hundreds of years before that. And you know what Mary is saying? Mary is saying, God didn't forget. He remembered his promise to bring a Messiah to be the savior of the world. God never forgets. When you need a reminder that God never forgets, that he never forgets about you, you don't need to look any farther than a godly mother, amen? Godly mother never forgets about you. Godly mother, even when you move away, what does she do? She prays for you. Godly mothers, they always think about you. They're always praying for you. They're always remembering you. When God wanted to send a savior, he sent him through a mother. We see Mary, but she had a great spirit. She had a merry spirit. She had a humble spirit. She had a good spirit, really setting a great tone in her home. She recognized God's power, and she also recognized God's purpose. I think godly mothers, they remember God's purpose in their life, to glorify God, to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to really see God, to use them in a great and wonderful way, Thank God for godly mothers.